we promulgate that your physical, psychological, and financial health are your true sources of wealth that must be safeguarded and optimized to achieve long-lasting happiness. Here, we'll discuss tactics on how you may self-actualize to reach the pinnacle of authentic masculinity by embracing true libertarian principles, arming yourself with red pill knowledge, as well as implementing the most up-to-date holistic health biohacks to optimize your health. Stop being a blue pill sheep, being led to slaughter by big government and the court system. Become an awakened man. Here's your host, Gregory. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory. Welcome back to another episode of The Awakened Man, a repository for holistic health, red pill masculinity, and ultimate freedom. I hope you're doing well today. Today, we're going to talk about some reoccurring trends and themes that seems to occur in relationships that men have with women. And I'm going to just kind of delineate or sketch out a classic um world marriage world that seems to happen to highlight points of importance in particular solipsism solipsism the bait and switch the values chameleon and more so let's get started so lots of times a man and a woman will meet on match or or eHarmony i mean that's how a lot of people are meeting now aside from me people who met perhaps when they were in school but if you look at the typical, let's say, true 28-year-olds, which I think is a colossal mistake, you never marry a woman who's your own age. I would recommend never marrying, but don't marry a woman your own age because it's not a problem in your 20s and 30s. But when you hit your 40s, it's a major problem because the the, the store is going to close up. The store is a euphemism for her vagina, and then you still have sexual drive, and this is why you see uh, pervasive uh, discontent and or infidelity in the 40s for men. But you meet a woman, you're meeting each other's ambassadors, as I like to speak. You're not really meeting her. She's not really meeting you. If you have some latent addictions, you're not telling her on the first day. If she's got issues or close to be personality disorders, she's not really revealing that on the first date either. If she was sexually abused as a child or had a neglectful or abusive parent or uncle, she's not telling you that early on. And these are very important things to kind of know. So at the beginning, we know the beginning of a relationship is the best part of any relationship. The end is is the worst. So you could argue the middle is the worst too because you don't know when it's going to end, if it's going to ever end. You're just kind of waiting for the clock to tick away. You could be like 50 and it's like third quarter in a basketball game and you're like, God, am I just going to die soon, please? So sometimes it's even worse in the end because at least at the end, even though you're going through a lot of the cluster B shenanigans, uh, at least you know that you're not going to have to live with her. And you've seen the true colors. But a man and a woman, they, they meet. And so they start dating. There's sex at the beginning. So that's releasing the oxytocin, the dopamine, uh, the vasopressin. It's blinding their their eyes, so to speak. And this is one of the benefits of the old kind of rubric we used for dating. You dated for six months, then you would have sex. Because if there were red flags, you would see them better because you weren't being clouded by sex. Now with the tender generation, it's the opposite. You hook up. And then you're clouded, all your judgment's clouded, and then you you see the red flags, but you want to ignore them because the sex is making you stupid. So you start dating, and then um, at this point, 
once you marry, you know, then she might tell you some of the stuff that she didn't tell you when you guys were dating because, you know, she wanted to please you. If she was dating you long term, then she thought that you had you were a high sexual market value man. And, and because of that, she's going to mitigate or minimize her liabilities. She's going to obfuscate them. And to a certain extent, you could be doing that as well if you thought she was the catch. But remember, men are always the catch because we age like fine wine. But her ideology, for example, like she could have been telling you a lot of things that you thought were true because they profile. There's profiling. If she thinks you're a high catch man and she suspects you're a conservative, because most men are economic conservatives, at least, if not social conservatives, but certainly economic ones. Oh, I'm a Republican, too. I'm a Republican. Oh, I believe in pro-life. Oh, I'm religious. If you're religious, I'm religious. You know, all the values come in and stuff. So you believe all this. Oh, I want to have four kids. Oh, I want to have four kids, too. Great. Then you get married. And then remember, when you marry, you're projecting. And women are more, I think, keen on doing this than men, much more than men. They project traits they want that man to have that that man maybe never had. For example, ambition or exuding more masculinity. We have an early episode of The Awakened Man when it used to be called Holistic Health News about how women who are on oral contraceptives choose beta men when they're on the pill because at that point they're in the nurturing stage because their body's been tricked into thinking that they're pregnant. And so they're going to choose men that are more effeminate. And so when these women get off the pill, they're like, who the hell is this guy? This is not a guy I normally would find attractive. And then therefore there's a high rate of infidelity and divorce. So, you know, if you're listening, women, kind of look back at the men you've dated and if you were on hormonal contraceptives or not and see if that really affected you. But you project. And so this is the big mistake. And I think women do it more than men because men really have very low thresholds. She hot, she cute, I'm in. Oh, she's got $100,000 of debt. Oh, I don't care. She's hot. She gives good blowjobs. I'm in. We just don't have that. You know, for us, we're just wired for beauty and looks and youth and maybe personality and virtue at the end. Whereas women have a much more nuanced criteria because, again, they have to pick the right man. If they pick the wrong man, this goes back to hypergamy and paleolithic wiring. They pick the wrong man. Uh, they may not might not be able to, to get food later on or their offspring might not be as high quality. Their offspring might not get as, as much food or they might not be protected from, from predators or from beta males or whatever it is. So women have a much more finely nuanced criteria. And certainly it's much pickier than men. And because of this, they, they tend to project. Or they meet the guy and the guy is very kind of masculine and or alpha. I like to use the analogy of like the, the guy, the musician. So women are attracted to men who make a lot of money, who have status, who have a high SMV, that other men want to hang out with, other women want to F. So when a woman, let's meet, let's say, meets a guy who's in a band, she's really attracted to him because he has status, even if it's like a local band, because people are going to see them and they're talented, and women are attracted to men with talent. Whereas men don't give a damn if a woman's talented. I mean, men don't give a damn about anything. They don't care if she's like knows politics or is well-read. It's like, are you cute and sexually available? That's pretty much all they care about. So then the woman is attracted to the, the rock star, even if he's like the bassist, he's the rock star. But once they get married, it's like, hey, a rock star, this ain't paying the bills because you're a local musician. You need to get a real job. So the guys that put, I love playing music, you know, no, you need to get a real job to pay the bills, right? Because you are the plow horse for the woman. You're the human ATM machine. So he's like, fine, I'll get a real job. So now we're looking at three, four, five years into the marriage. Maybe uh, you've conceived a child. 
And what starts happening is familiarity breeds contempt. And something that the, the man never realized was men don't know anything about hypergamy. They don't un- understand anything about Brafo's law, how a woman loves a man. And it's based on utility and usefulness. And once you no longer provide it or another man's providing it more, she'll leave her monkey branch if she has the option. Now, you can certainly say the same thing about men. Will men leave an attractive woman for a much hotter woman? Certainly you see that or they might have an affair, but not as much. A man is much easier to please in marriage than a woman. I don't think anyone would deny that. If you, if the woman does the four basic things, continue to be sexually available, age well, gracefully, in other words, don't get fat, and be kind and relatively obedient, guy's not going to leave you. This is why women initiate divorce 75% of the time and 90% when they are college educated. You don't see the stat flipped, men divorcing women. never. Not since no-fault divorce came in in 1970. So familiarity brings contempt. The rose-colored spectacles are coming off because all that oxytocin that was being released at the beginning with all this sex is going to wear off. It's just human nature. And now you're you're with that actual person. And so now that the, 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 the spectacles are off, you realize that you are projecting. So now disappointment's going to kick in. And always the woman realizes that she was projecting. She's like, oh, you weren't as masculine as I thought you were. Oh, you weren't as ambitious. Oh, you let me down. You let me down. And she can't make the connection that maybe you were never that way or maybe you actually articulated explicitly, I, I am not ambitious. Or with the example of the musician, now he's now he's a, he, now he's he's working, he's at some mild-mannered like office space, <laughs> the movie kind of job. He hates his job, but he's doing it because that's what he, his wife wants. Now she's not finding him as sexually attractive because now he's the boring, you know, middle management businessman. So a lot of factors are coming into play. Excessive expectations are the biggest destroyer of marriages. And I think even on, on the marriage day, well-intentioned brides fall out of the love with their husbands much sooner than men do. Men are the true romantics. And one of the reasons why the women fall out of love is, is that Einstein quote I like to mention. A man marries a woman and spends the rest of the marriage wondering what happened to that woman. And a woman marries a man and spends the rest of the marriage trying to change him into the man she wants him to be. Both are inevitably disappointed. That's his line. And it's true. There's so much truism to it. So she tries to change him or the spectacles come off and she realizes it's not the man that she thought. So now she's disenchanted. And as a whole, it's very hard to make a woman happy. And I think if women were honest, they would admit that it's very hard to make a woman happy. Now, women would say, oh, but if the man maintains frame, maintains masculinity, certainly if that helps. And you see men, and, and I will I will say this about men. You see men that lose frame all the time. So in the beginning of the relationship, when she's trying to lock him down, he has the key. Right? Women are the gatekeepers of sex. Men are the gatekeepers of relationships. And what happens with a lot of men is either they were just raised as, as sons of single moms or the nice guy syndrome. They see all the male role models in their life for sensitive, obsequious simps. And so they're that way. And so early in the relationship, the woman doesn't see it. But once they get married, he just kowtows to her. He fails all of her shit tests and he's not masculine. And women need men to pass shit tests because shit tests are kind of a little test to show that if the shit really hits the fan and there's like a thermonuclear war or someone's uh, breaking into the house, that you'll step up and be a man. 
So when shit tests start rolling, the man doesn't think long term. He starts thinking short term. Well, she's she's yelling, she's yelling. I'll play K and, and do what I do what she wants. Oh, she doesn't want me to have a man a man cave in the house. Okay, I'll agree to have it in the garage. Or she doesn't want me to have one in the garage. I guess I'll agree not to have one. Or she wants to do a woman's weekend with her friends. Uh, I really don't want her to, but uh, yeah, I guess I'll agree to it. I mean, there's just so many shit tests. There's so many shit tests that women uh, employ on men that men fail. And so women start respecting them less. Plus, they know he can get walked all over and he's a doormat by her and by other people in uh, their life. And so she doesn't respect the man. So she doesn't respect the man. The rose-colored spectacles are coming off. She realizes that you were not the man she thought you were. Or you disappointed her. It's normally through the solecism that you disappointed her, even though you probably were never that guy in the first place. And she starts losing attraction to you, and you'll see the sex wane. The other thing that happens is postpartum, you see women who fundamentally radically change after a child is born. The raging, the mood swings. And sometimes this abates with women. Sometimes it's hormonal contraceptives. Sometimes it's PMDD. Sometimes they get an IUD, which causes PMDD, which all these horrible mood swings. And now the woman is a rageaholic. And maybe she had latent rageaholic tendencies early in the relationship, but once they're married, now they can kind of let go, going back to the values chameleon that we talked about at the beginning. Now she's like, yeah, no, I said four kids, but I only want one. And you got to get a vasectomy. That's a major shit test that men fail. They get a vasectomy even though they don't want to get one. Or yeah, you know what? I'm actually uh, a feminist, pro-choice, liberal. (laughs) But she can come out and be honest now because you were stupid enough to sign the marriage contract and she knows she has all the leverage. So now she's yelling at you. She's moody. She's raging. This is funneled by a lot of different reasons. Kind of like the Chris Rock saying, you know why your wife's always yelling at you? It's because you weren't her first, first choice. And now the lack of respect's coming out. She's yelling at you and she's disenchanted. When women are disenchanted, this is the danger of rationalization. So now she's working. She's more attracted to other men in the office. Then you 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 fall into the law of propinquity problem. Law of propinquity is the more time a man and a woman spend together, the more likely they're going to start developing emotional attachment, and that will turn into physical attraction and possibly an affair. So you just hang out at the lunchroom together, you're talking, you're talking about some interest, music, blah, 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 blah. And then you're like, hey, can I text you about something, something, some superficial thing that the person says yes. Then you text each other on that superficial thing. Then you start running a text thread. Then just by propinquity or nearness, you start sharing things about each other's relationships, each other's marriage. Then once you've kind of lowered that barrier of talking essentially trash about your husband, then the attraction starts and then it's it's flirting and then it's uh, let's have a relationship. So at the least it's an emotional affair, if not a physical affair. So now the woman is is doing that because she feels like you disappointed her. And maybe you did disappoint her or because you, you were the musician who became the boring beta middle management guy. And now she's attracted to the next musician because you lost your alpha status. Or maybe it's nothing you did and she just didn't want to see who you were the whole entire time. It doesn't matter. She has all the leverage because you're stupid enough to sign the marriage contract. Now she's possibly having an affair or at the least she's having an emotional affair. Or if, if none of this is even happening with an affair, she's raging and disrespecting you. She's not giving you sex. Sex withdrawal is, is very common. We know about 40% of marriages are defined as sexless, meaning they have sex less than one time a month. And your woman is getting distant. Now she's like, I never wanted to marry you or I never wanted to have these kids. Uh, You encourage because you're the nice guy. You're like, let's go to therapy. Let's work it out. Stop raging in front of me. Stop raging in front of the kids. Right? You don't know what's going on because you don't know Brafo's Law and hypergamy and solipsism and all these things. So then you go to therapy and therapists know something like the stats, something like 90% of couples that go to therapy end up in divorce. They know this, but they're not going to tell you this because they make money off of you. 
And it's not like they're not well-intentioned in trying to save your marriage, but they know it's not going to, it's not going to last. It's not going to last. So now you're going to therapy. She might be having an affair on the side. You're disenchanted. You're miserable because she's raging at you and disrespecting you. You don't know what to do. Next thing you know, I want a divorce. And the man is caught blindsided because men think in love on a fundamentally different level than women. Men are the true romantics. A woman's love is Brafo's law. So if a man loses his job, for example, he's going to lose his wife, right? If there's no money, there's no honey. There's so many lines that are related to that. There's no ro- there's no finance, there's no romance. <laughs> there's so many lines because they're true. So now he wants a divorce. He doesn't know what's going on. Then sometimes if she's cluster B, she'll uh, call the cops, say you you hit her, you abused her, you abused the kids. Uh, she might try to get you fired to, to build up a case uh, to get the kids. The kids are taken from you. And now she's filing on you and she's trying to get as much money from you because in most states it's community property. So she married you probably because you were making more money than her, but it doesn't matter. She's going to get half your assets. And now she's going to take your kids and she's going to get financially rewarded for taking your kids by getting child support. And if you live in the wrong state, now she'll get alimony and get a certain amount of money until she dies or remarries or whatever. Now the man is discombobulated. He has no idea what's going on. He tried to do everything right. He tried but he made so many fundamental mistakes. He lost his frame. He became a beta simp. He allowed her to control him and take away all the friends, or he agreed to it because he wanted to be a nice guy, make her the center of his world, and women don't respect that. The woman should never be the center of, of your world, ever. But again, you don't know that. You don't know about shit tests. You don't know that you should be passing shit tests. And uh, so in her eyes, and this is the thing about solipsism. So in your eyes, you can present all the logical reasons why maybe you should stay together. It's like, stop raging at me. Stop yelling. The kids, it's bad modeling for the kids. Our daughter's going to be raised thinking it's okay to cuss at men. Our son's going to be raised thinking that it's okay to tolerate being cussed at. We have to stay together for the kids because about the stepfather effect. We did a video on the stepfather effect or episode on the stepfather effect and on the stats about kids that are not being raised by their biological parents. You can you can logically explain all these things to the woman why you guys should stay together, you know, just resume sex, stop cussing, let's let's stay together because we we need to be an intact family and there could be there could be religious reasons too you're saying this too. Doesn't matter. The solipsism has kicked in so much in the woman's mind that you did everything wrong and uh no matter what you do, it ain't going to make a difference because you're arguing with logic, women respond with emotion and reactivity. And in solipsism. And so at this point, she's like, no, I'm, I'm in love with somebody else. Or no, I can do better. Or no, you were a bad husband. And then the classic trope comes out. You were controlling or psychologically abusive. She'll throw that trope out there. Because the thing about being called controlling and psychologically abusive is there's no empirical objective retort to that. See, physical abuse, there is something empirical, like bruises. But psychologically abusive is a great go-to that a lot of women use because it's so easy to just, first of all, throw it out there and you'll get sympathy from everybody, right? You're abused. And secondly, there, there's no really really way to quantify it. So if she wanted to do a girl's weekend and you were like, no, that's disrespectful, I wouldn't allow it, that's abusive in her eyes and controlling. Or she'll say you're financially abusive. You don't let her have access to all the money or whatever it is. So in her mind, it's over. And this is something that guys don't understand. Once a woman is monkey branched away from you or no longer loves you, you're not going to get that back. It's over. And so you see these men who are getting, who, who can't understand that and they grovel and they beg and they beg. And a lot of these principles you'll see in that episode I did around episode 150 on the three stages of dating a narcissist, someone with MPD. And they don't get it. And they just, they don't understand that the woman respects them less by the more that they're, they're pleading and begging. 
in that they're not thinking logically what's best for the kids. They're thinking about what they want. And you wrong them. Even though you didn't wrong them, you wrong them in their eyes. And the last thing is the truth never matters in a relationship. It's how she perceives her version of the truth. And that's the simplest definition of what solipsism is. How she sees things through the prism of her mind. She doesn't care if the statistics show that your kids are much more likely not to be abused because you're not living with the kids. She doesn't care. She doesn't care that you paid for her debt or you were there for her during her alcohol addiction or whatever. She doesn't care. Hypergamy doesn't care. Solipsism doesn't care. All she knows is I'm out. I don't love you. You disappointed me. You let me down. You were abusive, even though you didn't do any of those things. Because again, the truth doesn't matter. And you can't really blame women for thinking this way because this is solipsism. This is the way they think. Just like you can't rationalize with hypergamy, can't rationalize with solipsism. Just like you can't really rationalize with a man who wants to be with a young, beautiful woman. It's just the way they're wired. This is the way women are wired. So you can't be angry at women for being hypergamous and for being solipsistic. This is just the way they're wired. So anyways, the man gets divorce raped. He gets fleeced. He loses all his assets. He doesn't see his kids anymore. She might practice parental alienation and poison the kids against you because in her mind, against all what's in her mind, in her mind, you wronged her. So now you deserve to have bad relations. So she'll poison the kids against you. The kids might hate you later on, or maybe they'll hate her later on if they know what's up. And the man's discombobulated. He has no idea. And then the cardinal mistake that these men make is the red pill mistake. They think that she was the exception, not the norm. And, and they go back on the dating market, and they, they'll go on a rebound relationship. And they want to date because they haven't really worked on themselves and the idea of being alone and independent, that they don't need a woman in their life. So you see these men jump into relationships again, and men actually remarry faster than women do, but the divorce rate is 70% for second marriages, which we already talked about in a previous episode. So these men never do the deep work and figure out what's wrong with them. And so they, that's one of the many reasons why second marriages fail. And we talked about the other reasons in that episode. So and that, and this is kind of the, the, the sketch of so many marriages and so many relationships. So look, go to Facebook, go to the Awakened Man, the Facebook group over there, and uh, message me over there, post in the comments. Let me know if you can relate to this story or if there's anything that I missed. But guys, the last thing is, I think on on the wedding day, both people are actually in love, well-intentioned, and they wanted to make it work. I don't think most people, unless you're a gold digger, marry to get divorced. They just don't do that. They just don't do that. But you have to understand the underlying wiring of, of women. If they were sexually abused previously, that's a humongous red flag. If they've had a lot of sexual partners, the studies show every partner you have 5% higher divorce rate. And other, other underlying factors, early childhood trauma, all these things contribute to this. Plus, it's just, the, again, they project expectations and they project values and qualities that you've never had. And then once the dis- disillusionment kicks in, it, it's almost impossible to get her back. And she's that's one of the reasons why they divorce disproportionately. So guys, the website's Naturopathic Earth. Go check out all the articles there. They're mostly holistic articles and recipes. If you want to help us out, click on the PayPal link in the episode notes. Also, click on the link to Naturopathic Earth, and if you, we are Amazon affiliates, so go to the website, Naturopathic Earth, and then click on under, under Articles, and then click under Recipes, and you'll see uh, some links to Amazon to buy those ingredients. Click on those links to get to Amazon, and then you can search and buy anything you want from there. You don't have to buy those ingredients. Anything that you buy, we get a 2% commission and no expense to you. Also, check out my books, Confessions of an Obese Child and Revelations of a Weight Loss Warrior. You can find them on Amazon. Kindle and paperback, and you can also find them at Barnes and Noble Nook. At least Confessions is there. I'm not sure Revelations is there. I don't think I've put it up there yet. If you need some one-on-one help from the Red Pill perspective, contact me through the Clarity FM link. And as always, please, please, please post an honest review of The Awakened Man. I would appreciate it. 
and subscribe wherever you're listening to this. And also, please subscribe to Confessions of an Obese Child, which we talk about addictions and early childhood trauma and the essential oils and herbal apothecary, which I'm going to rename soon and call it something female health or female naturopathy or something like that. Either way, until next time, take care. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Awakened Man Podcast. Find us on Facebook at the Awakened Man Podcast page. Subscribe and post an honest review on Apple Podcasts and consider donating to our crowdfunding account. And remember, freedom is better than needle. Until next time. Music attributed to Nine Inch Nails.